0: You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing a love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into today's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join our discussion on Facebook group. That's Panthers on Tap. We have over 2,500 members you can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Panthers on Tap. Don't forget to give Bryson and I a follow on Twitter at Coach Rule and at Curtis underscore round. Bryson, we're a day removed after, you know, the Sam Darnold trade. How are you doing this evening?
1: I'm great, man. I've uh, been arguing with people on Twitter all day about uh, defending it. and um,
0: <laughs> You you probably slept a little better last night, didn't you?
1: I did. And, um <laughs> Just trying to give uh, Sam Darnold the benefit of the doubt here, and um, but we'll get into that. So,
0: yeah, and we have a we have a we have a guest on with us tonight, evening. he's pretty special, Vincent Richardson, managing editor for the Riot Report. Um, he lives in Italy. It's a late night for him right now, but we appreciate him coming on. Award-winning sports journalist, Vincent. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how, yeah. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: I'm doing good. I'm I'm ready to talk Panthers football. Again, I just mentioned we're 24 hours removed. Panthers trading for Sam Darnold. Scott Fitter said in his press conference yesterday, he thinks that Joe Brady, Matt Rule, and the weapons they have, he can take the next step. You what's your thoughts on that, Vincent?
2: I think he can. Um, I think I wouldn't bet money on him doing so. I mean, it's one of those things where like quarterbacks. Even if, you're drafting, even if you're drafting one at eight, like the odds of you hitting are fairly low. Like so, any time you make a move at quarterback, unless it is some blockbuster trade for for DeSean Watson or you sort of go and throw loads and loads of money at a free agent, like it's a risk. Like you wouldn't have got a sure thing at quarterback for a second a fourth and a sixth. With that said, um, I think there's definitely some things to like with him on tape. I think he's got a, a good arm. I don't think he's got like one of the very very top tier arms, but he's got a, like a good NFL arm and. While he's clearly had some issues processing, there definitely are some really frustrating decisions that he makes. Like, you know, he's not just incapable of going through reads, like he does work through reads fairly quickly. There's some nice anticipation throws and stuff. So, th- there, there have been flashes of like a good NFL quarterback, and the Jets situation was clearly not a good one. Um, but there's, you know, I'd say it's probably a, a relatively low cost move, albeit not an insignificant cost move.
1: Do you think that Carolina overpaid for Sam Darnold?
2: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I yes, to be short, to be sure. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I think I, I mean, it. I'm it, a little bit surprised they did it before the draft. Um, if only because the uncertainty before the draft is going to increase costs. Um, whereas, you know, I'd have thought something maybe like what happened with Josh Rosen after his rookie deal, where he got traded on day two kind of thing. Um, that I would have thought would be been more, more likely and that would probably have pushed the cost down a little bit. Um, it's one of those things where if it works out, no one cares that you gave away a two or four and a six. Like it, it's, if it's if it works, you could give given away a first round pick and no one worries about it. It's just if, if this goes really badly this year, you're sitting there next year without a quarterback still and with no second or fourth round pick and then it start, that's when it starts to hurt.
0: Yeah, and you know, going off of that, bryson because i know you're very you 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 love the move by carolina here what do the panthers need to do this upcoming year to justify the pick for you record wise what what would be a justifiable record for you say well this sam darnold you know this trade paid off so far
1: um that, that's an interesting question um i I think uh, Sam Darnold winning a couple of those eight games that Teddy Bridgewater lost um, within fourth quarter, final drive wise. uh, I think Sam Darnold getting a couple of those wins is um, realistic in my opinion, and also uh, would kind of make me feel okay with the trade. Um, I don't think Sam Darnold is going to go out there next season and all of a sudden become uh, some all pro um, 5,000 yard passing quarterback in the NFL. But I do believe that Joe Brady, uh, Joe Brady's offense is a good fit for Sam Darnold and I do believe that Joe Brady is going to help Sam Darnold be better Um, record wise I'm not really sure what what to expect and I don't think that a a record solely makes it a good trade or not in my opinion Um, it's just you you want to see that growth from Sam Darnold that he hasn't really shown um, in his first three seasons uh, for a majority of things so I think if if you see some growth from Sam Darnold and you you see him taking that next step in my opinion is, is what is the most important part.
0: Yeah, what the thing that worries me about it is, and I talked about this yesterday when we went live is if you end up with Sam Darnold getting eight and nine wins next year, and he really, and I mean, he got a couple more wins than Teddy Bridgewater, and the Carolina just isn't satisfied with him, then you're sitting in the mid level of the first round trying to get your quarterback of the future instead of, you know, them playing awful this season and they can get, you know, the number one or two guy next year. And I know there, I know Tepper is not patient and I get that. And I understand that, but for that, if if that's the worst case scenario, and that happens where they, you know, it's middle of the road where the Panthers end up next year, record wise, they're going to be in this same exact position where it's going to take them, you know, three first round picks to move up in the draft. If they're in the middle of the road, again, next season, and they're in the same situation they are this off season, and that kind of worries me. Vincent, your take on that?
2: Um, I think there are a few points to make. I think, one, I don't think, I, I, you know, I think there's always a bit of, of, of you know, mind games going on when we hear from GMs and, and head coaches before the draft and free agency and stuff, but I, I, I do think there is a chance they go back to quarterback again in the draft. I think it probably makes, like, a pick at eight much less likely, but I think a day two quarterback is not unreasonable still. Like, I think that's a very, like, possible thing that could happen. And I think, I mean, I think in terms of record, I, I, I don't think that's a helpful way of thinking about quarterback play. Obviously, you know, you want quarterbacks who can win games and not lose games. But what you, you know, it's more important how they get those wins and what those losses look like. You know, if if the Panthers lose games because the defense is awful again, then it, it doesn't really matter. Like Sam Donald could play amazingly, but if the defense gives up 50, then then no one cares. I, I think the other thing is, I mean, this is a point I've made on Twitter a little bit, but if you look at how Seattle, approached quarterback before eventually getting Russell Wilson what they did is they made loads and loads of like mid-tier moves so trading day two picks for quarterbacks signing quarterbacks to like mid-tier free agent contracts and then like you know drafting quarterbacks ultimately Russell Wilson in the third round so I think I wouldn't be shocked if the Panthers take this approach where you accept that every move you're making has a lower chance of success than taking a quarterback in the first round but because you're only giving up a third-round pick or a second-round pick, you can just do it far more often. And, you know, over the course of one or two off-seasons, you can, you can make three or four moves at quarterback, and you hope one of them pays off, rather than putting all of your assets into this one top-five pick. And if you miss, then you, 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 it resets you three years kind of thing. So I think there is this – I mean, again, we don't know what's going to happen, so I can't say that's definitely what's going to happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers continued making middle-tier moves until one of them works off works out rather than ever making that that blockbuster move unless they think they, they really have their guy
0: yeah or it, that's what I was going to say or they until they find their true number one you know Deshaun Watson best quarterback in the draft type of thing because it definitely seems that way too with the Seattle moves I, yeah. what Seattle's done in the past you know with Matt Flynn and then they went out and got Russell but you're not always going to find Russell Wilson in the second third no. round
2: they got lucky there they, they, they did, but if you look at the history of the draft, that like top five picks are not sure of things at all. A quarterback, like it, you know, if, if you look at the top quarterbacks, it's a fairly even mix of guys who were like first round picks and guys who weren't. And obviously, there have been lots more non first round picks than first round picks. But you can also get many more picks out of like a, a day two or a day three sort of trade back type situation. So it it'll be interesting to see some of the numbers about how that kind of works out. And I think hopefully we'll have a piece of the right report about that in the coming weeks about sort of like the best way to get a quarterback effectively. But um, I like that yeah. a
0: little tease. There you go.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's not always easy stuff to write, but, but it is, like, it, it, there's it's not like there's one roadmap of how to get a quarterback. Like obviously the Deshaun Watson trade would be a complete outlier on NFL history that like, there has never been that kind of, you know, healthy quarterback in his prime making a, a a move between franchises that just doesn't really happen but if you do look at what the roadmap is sometimes people get people number one sometimes it's a guy you develop sometimes you just luck into someone or you know someone reclaims their career so like there are lots of ways of doing it and it's about maximizing your chances rather than necessarily maximizing your chance in any one particular move
1: so uh so vincent you made an uh interesting point earlier um about them sitting at eight and uh, you think it's unlikely that they'll still take a quarterback at eight. Um, but if, if Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones is sitting there at eight and Carolina sitting there, um, do you think that they take one of those quarterbacks still?
2: I think Mac Jones, no. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think Mac Jones is a bad quarterback at all. Um, I think you can make arguments that he's not the worst of those three as a prospect. Um, but I think his upside, like if you look at like the distribution of his outcomes, the number of them that have like a higher ceiling than Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Darnold is, is really pretty low. Um, So I'm not sure I could justify that as a move, but I think Fields and Lance are definitely players that get considered at eight. Um, I think both of them are relatively developmental and because of that, they're players that the coaching staff is going to have to really want to coach. I think is the thing. Like, there's been a lot of comparisons between Fields and Dwayne Haskins, which I think are largely rubbish, um, to, to use a polite term. Um, but I think one thing that is kind of a meaningful comparison is that Haskins got drafted by a franchise where the coaching staff didn't really want him. Like, and, and, and that massively impacts his development and it just, it just creates a negative outcome for everyone. Whereas, like, if the coaching staff are really sold on Lance or Fields, then absolutely take them at eight. They both have massive ceilings. I think, I mean, Lance, I think, is a multi-year project. Whereas Fields is probably more like a season away. But, but if if you're if you're not sold on them, don't draft them because they're not guys who are just going to come in week one and, and and play at a high level unless unless you really trust that they've got that developmental pathway in front of them. So, I think quarterback is an option at eight, but I don't think it's the only option at eight. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So if if they're sitting there and, and all the quarterbacks are off the board and they, they decide to stay at eight, no trade back, no trade up or whatever, um, what do you think is the most likely position that they go uh, as of right now?
2: As of right now, I think probably offensive tackle. Um, I think cornerback is there somewhere. I mean, like, it, you know, it's noticeable when they talk. If people keep telling you stuff, eventually you start listening. And like the, the, the positions we've heard all offseason are. Offensive line, defensive line, and cornerback. And I, I don't think there's a defensive linesman who you take at eight. I, I don't even think anyone thinks there's a defensive linesman who you take at eight. Um, so it's really then offensive line or cornerback. Um, and so then you're talking about names that I think Sewell maybe falls to eight. And I think there's a real discussion about whether he actually is the best tackle in the class. But like Rashawn Slater should be a guy who is definitely on the radar there um Patrick Sertain is probably the top corner for me um and then you've got guys like JC Horn Tevin Jenkins if you start trading back a little bit say into the teams and stuff so there are definitely some names to watch I think whether you go tackle or cornerback is a little bit about need versus true value but but that, that's I think where the conversation is
0: yeah and now let's get to Teddy Bridgewater because he's still on the roster and you listen to the presser yesterday I mean the writing's on the wall that this guy is going to be gone Um, do you, you have any idea, any likely landing spots they could get rid of him? What would he be worth? What would you be happy about the team getting for him as for draft wise
2: draft picks? Um, I, yeah, I I think it will depend when it happens as much as anything. Um, I think it's going to be hard for them to move him before the draft, unless you get another team like the Panthers that does its diligence on the, on the quarterbacks and just goes, no, we, we don't, we're not touching any of them. Um, I think the Saints makes a lot of sense, partly because he's got familiarity there. They've clearly not got a a firm solution at quarterback. Obviously, Jameis and 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 is going to be part of that conversation. But I think they definitely wouldn't be opposed to, to adding another quarterback. But it, it's really hard to see where else. I mean, there was some talk about San Francisco, but having traded up to three, they're just that's that's not a move they're going to make. And the other QB needy teams. I mean, maybe Chicago, maybe. Um, but like you know, the new, he doesn't he doesn't make sense in New England. He doesn't really make sense in Washington. Um, there aren't that many teams who are really going to be at the at the table. I mean, like you know, Denver maybe, but that's a I think a bit of a long shot. So yeah, there's not going to be many buyers. It's more going to be I think that you know you wait until after the draft likely, and and either you you get rid of him for peanuts now, or you wait until after the draft and see who still needs a quarterback.
0: Do you think Tepper is way too involved? In the decision making at quarterback, I mean, any roster decision. Do you get that sense, or you you feel like he he has some input, but he tries to stay away from the actual decision making of a player over another player, sort of
2: thing. Yeah, so that that bit I can't really talk about. So I, I like I don't I don't have a sense of whether he's the guy saying like right trade for Donald make this exact move, but I think it. What, yeah, there's there's two different kinds of interference. There's the like the micro interference where they're telling you exactly what to do right now and do this and do that. And then there's the macroscopic one where it becomes very clear what what the the angle is and you just have to kind of get on board with that. So I think Tepper has made it very clear he wants to change a quarterback this offseason. I think that is that is just out there as a kind of a fairly well accepted reality. Um, so I think there's definitely been pressure put on Fitterer and Rule to get behind a move for a quarterback you know, and, and whether that was a free agent or a trade or or the draft i think it was clear that that he wanted a move to be made whether he had a real preference i mean obviously there's a lot of stuff about him wanting watson and stuff but whether he had a, a preference beyond those kind of you know, long term dreams it, i i don't know I, I don't know whether he was like no i don't want stafford i want i want um, I I you know, I I want Goff or I want yeah, you know, I don't, or Donald. I I don't know if he had particular views on exactly which guy, but he wanted a guy, I think is 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 fairly clear. Do you think that's healthy though?
0: I mean, cuz you look you look at similar situations, Jerry Jones and a lot of fans would say, yeah. you know, he has way too much input and he influences that team too much. There's got to be
2: that sort of balance, you know. Yeah, no, I think he's definitely I think he's definitely tried to exert a little bit too much influence so far as an owner. Um, I mean it even just seems like the rule hire like and I actually think Matt Rule is quite a good head coach but I'm not sure that necessarily that was a decision the meet with the guy one evening and then just hire him when you're meant to be scheduled to interview other guys like the you know I get the argument that you can find your guy and you hire him and I think Rule is a good hire so I'm not that mad at it but I think the for a guy who talks an awful lot about process his process seems to be very flexible based on his particular emotions at that point in time. Um, and it will be interesting to see whether that settles down or whether he keeps interfering. Because there's the difference between occasionally interfering as an owner and sort of setting some landmarks early on and being the guy who keeps coming in and keeps coming in and keeps coming in. And it, you know, if in a year's time, Darnold doesn't work out and the Panthers haven't got a quarterback in the draft, does he make them, You know, if, if he then pushes for another move and another move and another move, that's how you end up. I mean, it wasn't an owner doing it in Houston, but that's where you end up. Where the, where the Texans are, where it's just, they have no picks, they have no cap space, they 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 have no ability to do anything because they've just they've made so many aggressive moves and they haven't worked. And now you're just stuck. Yeah, I I think he's probably a little bit too involved.
1: So, uh, kind of, um, I, I kind of want to go back to Sam Darnold with the Jets. Um, what yeah. is your opinion on? the coaching staff that Sam Darnold came into the NFL with and kind of just started with, and then continued with, with uh, through his career so far. Um, Do you think that that has hampered his ability to become a better quarterback in the NFL?
2: Yeah, I think it certainly hasn't helped it. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, bad coaches can, can definitely have a real impact on a player's career, but there's, there's then two points is that you, you know, you don't know whether that's, you know, he would have been able to do it with a good coach. That's kind of one question they're going to try and answer. But then there's also sort of the, the negative impact that that can already have on a player. You know, you know Dave, um, David Carr gets talked about a lot as a guy who just got kind of ruined in his first couple of seasons because he got sacked and hit so much he just, just it mentally kind of broke him a little bit. But I, I mean, I definitely think that he was not in a good situation with the Jets. I mean, you just, I mean, I I, I watched a couple of games for, for the piece, the profile we that's on the Riot Report currently about Donald and, you're watching the Bills game in particular and he just has no time to throw. Like he's just, yeah, there are times where he's dropping back on play action and he's getting hit before the bottom of his drop kind of thing. And like, yeah, that's clearly you, you can't succeed in that way. I don't think schematically they were doing a lot of particularly interesting stuff. There were certainly times where he really had nowhere to go with the ball, was not protected very well. And, you know that does have a real toll on you if you're constantly getting hit constantly having to try and get the ball out quickly constantly stressing to find someone who's even sort of open you then start forcing reads you rush reads you do all kinds of bad things that being said there were also there is a tendency in his game that has been there since usc to to make throws that just aren't there to just just make the really rash decision that just makes you sort of put your head in your hands and kind of wonder what he's going through his mind. I mean, I, those throws have been there before the Jets. Those, those those, are things the Jets haven't been able to fix, but that's not a problem the Jets have created, whereas I think some of the issues are things that the Jets have at least partly created.
1: My, my opinion on this situation is I, I think Sam Darnold is coming into a situation in Carolina. He's going to have the best talent that he's ever had around him, um, depending on what they do in the draft, a decent offensive line. And he's gonna have the best coaching staff that he's had in his career. Um, I think if Sam Darnold is gonna succeed anywhere in the NFL, it's gonna be with the Carolina Panthers next season. I think he's set up um very nicely to have a successful season next season. So um I, I'm just excited to to see what happens. And I'm I'm trusting Matt Rule and I'm trusting Joe Brady. I've I've seen stuff on tape with Sam Darnold that that gives me hope. Um there's also some very bad stuff. I'm not gonna deny that but he has made some very, very elite throws. Um, I, yeah. I, I recommend watching JTO Sullivan's quarterback school on YouTube. Um, he, he
2: Yeah, no, that is very bad. Yeah, I would, I would definitely second that. Yeah. I
1: mean, that, that guy's great. And, and he highlights both. He highlights the bad throws and he highlights the good throws. He highlights when the offensive line doesn't pick up the blocks. He highlights when they do and Sam Darnold still misses the throw. So I, I think it's, it's a good watch and I, I highly recommend it, but but yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to just see what he has still, and I think a lot of Panthers fans are upset that we didn't get Deshaun Watson, and I think that's fair uh, with the things that he's going through right now. I just don't think that's a, a realistic possibility for the Carolina Panthers right now. And this trade doesn't take Carolina out of the Deshaun Watson trade next season if he just if he is cleared and it, he is uh, available for trade. So.
2: Yeah, I, I I I I think it is worth noting that even before any of this stuff came up with Deshaun Watson, the Texans genuinely weren't answering the phone by all accounts. Like, it, you know, it wasn't like the Panthers couldn't get it done. Like the Texans just were not interested in the trade. This just was not a thing they were really considering. And I, I it might be something that comes up again in the future, but I I I think as a franchise, you kind of as a, as a fan base, really, it can't just be this constant talk for the next eighteen months about maybe we can get Deshaun Watson because. It, you know, at least for now, that, 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 that train has moved the on. The ship has sailed, and, and, absolutely. Yeah, it, it might come back, but right now it can't be. Well, Donald could be the bridge to Deshaun Watson because if you, if you get into that thinking, I think that just that creates all kinds of problems because then it just completely messes with any time scale you're trying to build on. I think the one thing I would say about the whole best situation he's been in thing is, is the Joe Brady question. And I don't think Joe Brady is necessarily a bad coordinator. I just think he's had one season in the NFL – and one season play calling anywhere. And while I think that was not a bad season, I think the idea that he is, I think he has to prove himself as well this year. I think Joe Brady has as much to prove as Sam Darnold does. And I think if if Sam Darnold has a really good year, um, I think that will very much help Joe Brady's projection going forward. But if if Sam Darnold really struggles, that probably will not reflect very well on Joe Brady either as a, as a play call or as a, a scheme. Yeah, so. I'd
0: like to add to that because... And I was going to mention that too. And Bryce had said, you know, we, he trusts, you know, Matt rule and Brady to, to make, to get Darnold to that next step. But, you know, we were sitting here a year ago and they said Bridgewater was going to be the, you know, the next greatest thing. Cause he's familiar with Joe Brady's offense and he wasn't and he didn't get there. So, and a lot of that decision-making last year to get Bridgewater was because he was so familiar with Brady's offense. So I feel like there's a lot on the line for some of these guys and
2: Yeah, I think what is Brady's offense I think is the big question that comes from that because what he ran last year and I think what a lot of people expected him to run last year were not that similar because what they ran last year, with, I, the other thing is because of COVID, they didn't have that much time in camp and they just had to get an offense installed. And probably the easiest offense to install when you had Teddy there coming over from the Saints was just to install effectively Saints-like like that—that's the easiest thing to get installed. I think what will be what 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 I'd like to see this year is far more Joe Brady LSU. offense. than yeah. well, not just even LSU, but just don't. You, I don't think you can make your career on just being someone who sort of knows Sean Payton's offense and copying what you can remember. Like yeah, you you have to have your own thing. You have to bring things. I'm not saying Joe Brady didn't do any of that, but LSU ran so many like. RPOs like so so many RPOs and and the Panthers ran almost none last year and I, I I think that's really something I'd want to see a lot of this year is can they can they incorporate the RPO game a lot more but also just just add some personality to it that is your own make it make it unique and yours and if it's good fantastic and if it's not good well at least at least you tried kind of thing
1: yeah uh, one thing that I I've been saying in my head um, since the same Donald trade is that I can't get mad at Carolina for trying to improve, but I would be mad at them for staying status quo and knowing Teddy Ridgewater is not it going into the next season. Um, I, I just, I can't get mad at them for making this trade, but uh, going back, Hold back on, the- hold
0: on. You can't end there without me jumping in on that. But as a fan time after time, are you going to get tired of, and I want to ask Vincent, this is this trial run with quarterbacks. When is it going to be when they finally figure out and go after a premier guy at the most important position in the NFL and stop these trial runs? Is it going to be in year three? Is it going to be year and four? Or is this all the chips on uh, Darnold here to improve? And you, we, can, we can reference Seattle and their decision making, and they're going to resemble this. But fans are going to get tired of these trial runs, trial runs
2: year after year. It was Bridgewater. Now it's Darnold. I, I, yeah, I think some of that is also – you also have to build something beyond the quarterback. Like, you know, it, I, I, I don't hate the idea of rolling with Bridgewater for another year if, if it meant addressing a load of other needs in the draft and getting to a point where you have a roster to surround a rookie with. Like if, you know, everyone wants to, to find the next Pat Mahomes. But if you look at what, what Kansas City did with Mahomes is they had a – maybe not defensively that good a roster, but they had a, a, an established high-quality play caller – they had a really good offensive line and they surrounded him with loads of weapons. And, and that doesn't necessarily solve all your problems, but it makes things a lot easier. And if you're going to continue to build the rest of your roster, then I think you can keep taking these shots. Because you know, if you spend a first round pick and then a first round pick, then a first round pick, that prevents you from doing other things. And it also kills your ability to move on because there's a whole, not political, but it's very hard to, to, to just keep telling your fan base that this first round pick is going to be the guy. But if it's a second-round pick and a third-round pick and a second-round pick and a third-round pick, if you're hitting on those first-round picks, you're still getting somewhere. Like, if the Panthers draft a really good offensive tackle in the first round, at a good corner and a good interior pass, and they end up nine and seven next year, That's you pick up the fifth-year option, you go into the next year, maybe you draft a really good tight end, you draft a... Uh, I know another good offensive lines, but maybe you draft a, a, a safety to play alongside Jeremy Chin or other linebacker. Maybe you go 11 and five and the, like, then it starts to build. And if you're going like, you know, Miami, but if they keep going 10 and six or 11 and six or 12 and five, or, you know, if you, if you keep there or thereabouts, people have a lot more patience and we're six and 10 and then we're seven and nine, and then we're back to five and 11 again. Like if, if you're at the cusp and it's always, it's all just about keep finding that quarterback. Kansas City did that with Alex Smith for years. Keep throwing everything at a quarterback and it doesn't work. And you throw everything at a quarterback and it doesn't work. That's where you really get into trouble, personally.
1: Yeah, and I I think that kind of goes back to um, me and Curtis have this, I guess, kind of disagreement on um, if this was a huge risk or not. And I I think trading what they did, yes, I think they overpaid for Sam Darnold, but it doesn't set them back necessarily if he's not the guy, I don't think. Um, uh, I think... What they did trade, um, is fair, uh, for the guy that is going to come in and and hopefully st- take a step forward. Um, I, I like I said, I, I don't think it's that big of a risk. Curtis tends to get, disagree.
2: But,
1: um, and 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 Curtis is acting like we're uh ten years removed from our franchise quarterback, and and we just lost Cam Newton, but so no, we're trying to I figure mean, things I've... out. And and I told. Uh, Go ahead. I, I totally disagree with the way things went down Cam Newton you know that and I, Cam Newton's my favorite quarterback of all time so I'm, I'm not going to try to argue anything about that um but yeah I mean we, we're trying to figure things out moving on from Cam Newton Teddy Bridgewater wasn't it and I think it was a more a, more or less uh not Joe Brady's inability to call offense but it was more of uh, Teddy Bridgewater's physical limitations to run I offense. see I I, I, I and, would
2: disagree with that a little bit so I think if you go and look at some of the trends there were in game management about how they, what they called when, and how they ran their offense. I think there were definitely things that Joe Brady did do badly that hindered this offense. I think the this weird tendency to throw the screens for for no apparent reason that never, you know, there was a persistent issue there. I think they had this. They were one of the worst teams yeah. in the NFL at running the ball on second and long, um, mm-hmm. which again is is really bad. Um, and, and also, if you go back and look at those eight games the Panthers lost, I I think there are definitely some that are on Teddy. Um, like the Atlanta one, That that's on Teddy unquestionably. Some of them are on the offensive line. Some of them are on, on skill position players making mistakes. But some of them are on Joe Brady as well. What, what you call when, if it's like fourth and seven and the game's on the line, what he called is, I think, hard to understand. Like the, the was it, uh, which game was it where they... Um, threw it to Curtis Samuel short of the sticks on fourth down. Um, which game? I can't remember which game that was. I know what you're talking. Uh, about. But I know what you're one. referencing. Yeah, there, there is, there is nobody open. Like I know the pick didn't set properly, but that, you know, and Matt Raw was like oh, he wants him to throw it past the chains. And like I kind of get that argument, but you're just asking a guy to heave a ball up to a covered receiver and hope a miracle happens. Like if if that's your offensive scheme, you've you've got a problem. And obviously, you know, it's hard to get someone open on fourth and seven. It's not an easy thing to do, but. The play they the, like, it, particularly in those key moments, they didn't seem to have plays they could fall back on that were like, "We're pretty certain this is going to get someone open." Because time and time again, it was key down, and it was just there's nobody open, and it's not even that difficult to understand. And obviously, there were some limitations in the injuries they had and all kinds of things. But I, I think Joe Brady looked like a first year play caller, and that's fine because he was. And if he, you know, if he gets better, he has loads of room to get better. He's very young. All these kind of things. There was, there was lots of reason for optimism. But at the same time, if in a year's time we're still talking about him looking like a first-year play caller, that, that's that will be when I start. Getting yeah, and,
1: and on, on the other side of that, kind of to defend my point about the Teddy Bridgewater limitations, there were a lot of plays where DJ Moore is wide open streaking down the field, Curtis Samuel's wide open streaking down the field, um, Robbie Anderson um, that Teddy Bridgewater either one doesn't see or two just doesn't throw, and I I think I think almost every game you could there's probably a a point in the game where one of those guys is open for a touchdown and, or not necessarily touchdown, but a, a wide open catch and, and Teddy Bridgewater just doesn't make it. And I, I think not saying that Sam Darnold, that isn't going to happen with Sam Darnold because it's been proven to happen to Sam Darnold too. But I think there, there is some responsibility for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and
0: Oh yeah, yeah there's yeah, no doubt. And, and I, there's no doubt about and, it. Yeah. And I,
2: no, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, so no I, I don't, I don't no, I don't think there's I don't think the the argument I was not. I don't think the idea that Teddy Bridgewater is immune from any criticism. This season, he's not. He didn't play particularly well. You know, he wasn't. I don't think he was actively bad, but I think he was. You know, he was not. He did not show you stuff that you think that tackles back of the future. I, I can absolutely understand that, but I also think the I, I, I you know I can understand the Panthers fan base wanting to move on. I think the idea that he was the biggest problem with the offense last year—I I don't agree with that idea. Um, and I think if it depends how you view it. If it's like, well, we've got rid of Teddy, so everything's fixed now, then I think that 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 mentality causes problems because all the other things that went wrong are still going to go wrong unless you fix them. Like the offensive line does need to be better. You do need to have much more depth at receiver. You do need to have better play calling. Like the you know, these things have to happen as well as a change of quarterback, not instead of a change.
0: Going of off of the point of you know. Teddy doesn't throw the deep ball enough, misses guys. You know, we know Darnold's going to throw a lot deeper more. That's great and everything. And you look at the stats last year. I, can't, I don't know I'm off exactly offhand, but deep ball completion percentage last year between Teddy and Darnold, Teddy was actually a little bit better than him last year in the deep ball. And I get that. He doesn't have the targets. I understand that. But with Sam Darnold throwing the deep ball more, what I'm trying to get back to my point is, is you're going to have him throw more than likely more picks. And and that was one thing that Teddy did do a better job at is keeping the ball and not turning it over. So when you bring in Darnold, who's going to throw the ball a lot more deeper, you're going to also have a quarterback who's going to throw a lot more interceptions. And it's been proven since he's at USC that he has double-digit pick seasons every single year he's been a quarterback since college so that is going to come into play with that decision making off of teddy cuz you know teddy bridgewater i mean what he was at 70% completion percentage at one point this year i know i know he wasn't throwing the ball deep but like you're not going to get that with darnold
2: you're just not yeah no i i i think that i think that's the thing that Donald that will really make or break this move for me like you know i think donald there are a lot of things that donald does quite well i you know i think he can be better than he was in the jets definitely but if he still has this tendency to just just throw mindless balls that, that get picked off like that's going to kill you wherever you go like he is he he throws too many of them to get away with full stop but he doesn't have the like absolute man you know newton threw occasionally some really questionable passes but it was occasionally and he did so much good that it completely made up for it and sort of 10 times over kind of thing whereas if darnold is like if he's playing above average quarterback play on the whole but then throws in a mindless play every 20 attempts then that's that's that completely negates any positive impact he has the rest of the time for me so i think that's the kind of like the make or break bit if he keeps making those plays and he keeps making them year after year after year that's a that's going to make it hard to to make him your friend. And I want to
0: go back here because I didn't get to jump in when Bryson was talking risk. I think any move you make, any trade you make is going to, there is risk involved in any move. So to say that it's not a risky move, it's, it's definitely a risky move. This is, this is Matt Rule's second attempt at a quarterback, whether we want to admit it or not. And we can blame Marty Herney. And I talked about this yesterday, but when you sign a coach for seven years and give the money that they gave Matt rule, he had some, he had some opinion on Bridgewater and they liked Bridgewater last year, whether you want to admit that or not. So to say there's no risk involved, there's risk involved in this Darrell move. And I'm I'm of the perception is if you're going to get a similar quarterback to Teddy Bridgewater, maybe that's going to throw the deep ball a little bit more. Why even trade? Why keep Teddy another year, build around like Vincent mentioned, and then go and get your quarterback. Why try to trade for another guy? And here we are, a guy learning a whole new system, his first year in Darnold, who hasn't been who hasn't proven himself these last three years. I just
1: and I I didn't say there was no risk. I said that there's not as much risk as you like to to say there is. So I, I absolutely think there's risk. I just don't think it's as risky as trading three first round picks to trading up to number three and taking Mac Jones or Justin Fields. I they had
0: to do that. I think there's a quarterback that could have slipped to them. I think you're gonna I think the Panthers at eight are going to have an opportunity to get Lance or Mac Jones. I don't know about Fields. I can't say that for sure. And I don't know about Mac uh, Mac Jones. But I think one of those three quarterbacks could have fell to Carolina. And I'm fine with them at eight, picking one of those quarterbacks over Sam Darnold. That was my opinion from the start. And I don't –
2: and that's how I – that's the way I take it. I just – Yeah. I I think there's also the owner factor as well. And like this is where like David Tepper like does become a factor because like I think he made it clear that that he he wanted a new quarterback. Like he was just not gonna be happy with Teddy being the starter in, in, in 2021. And I think the issue then is that you come back to those three quarterbacks. I think it's noteworthy that the Panthers did this move after doing their due diligence on those quarterbacks. Like I, I my my gut feeling is that I don't think the coaching staff loved any of the options they had at eight at quarterback. Like, I, I, I think for them, either they weren't sold about them as people or they weren't sold about them as, as terms of their ability to sort of continue to improve, or they just thought they were really long shots to make it. And it's hard to argue that totally. So I, I think that the fact that they made this move is probably an indication that they did not like any of those options they thought would be there at eight. Like, I think I, I I think for them, everything I've heard is that they had a, you know, I don't think, I don't actually agree with this, but I think for them there was a big gap between Lawrence and Wilson and everyone else. And if that's the case and you're not going to take a quarterback at eight, then I think then the pressure comes on from the ownership to make a move. And I think there's almost a bit where it becomes better to trade next year second for, for, for Sam Donald than to feel like... To take a quarterback in the second round because you need to take a quarterback because your is telling you you need to take a quarterback. That's I, I mean I don't know whether it's that strong from Tepper, but that's not that yeah, far. I, from the I field just I like
1: get. keeping the first round pick this year. I think it's still less less risky for the team to trade a second and a fourth next year and a sixth this year than to take Mac Jones at eight or Trey Lance at eight and um, just hope that they're good. Uh, that way you keep your first round pick this year. You keep your first round pick next year. And taking a tackle this year, um, hopefully in the first round, I'm hoping they take a tackle. That's my my favorite option there. And just building your offensive line and continuing to build around Sam Darnold because they have most of their picks this year still, um, still have cap room. I, I just feel like it's it's better um, option that way for in, in my opinion. But me and Curtis obviously differ. And then I'll, I'm going to go back to the stats on the deep balls here, Curtis. Um, when uh, Sam Darnold had his best receiver that he's ever had, Robbie Anderson – um, 2018 to 2019 he had 88 completions and 88.5 completion percentage for 13 or, I'm sorry 1,341 yards 11 touchdowns and 21 completions over 20 over 20 yards so I think w- when he's got talent around him um, I think those those deep balls uh, tend to uh, be completed more so I think I mean last season who did he have, Jameson Crowder running deep balls? In
0: 2018, he also had 15 interceptions. So that's where my my argument of, yeah, he's going to throw the deep ball a lot. You're going to have a lot more interceptions. He's he's some, he's some not a very good decision maker. And, and you're
1: also going to have more touchdowns, though. The more risk you take, yeah. I mean, you're likely to have more interceptions, yeah. but you're likely to have more touchdowns, too. So it goes both ways.
2: Yeah, it does. I, th- I think ultimately there aren't that many quarterbacks who've been persistently successful throwing a lot of picks um, like the the, it's not that a low risk path always works but um, there, are, there aren't there are many quarterbacks who can get away by throwing lots of picks consistently you know Brett Favre kind of excluded he's the outlier on that one <laughs> yeah I mean he, he had a, an interesting approach to playing quarterback which is largely to just throw the deep ball whether it was there or not um, but yeah I mean, I mean not many people have that kind of talent to get away with it as much as he did either. So I think, yeah, you you want to take the deep ball when it's there, but you you shouldn't be just forcing the deep ball every opportunity you get. And so I, I, you know, ultimately it'll it'll be a balance of what what Donald can do and what the scheme allows him to do, and how the scheme accentuates the things he does well and tries to hide the things he does badly. And and that's up to Joe Brady now.
0: Well, Vincent, thank you so much for coming on this evening. I know it's late for you. I we really appreciate you coming on. You had a lot of good insight, and it was interesting to get your perspective on things with Carolina making some big moves here before the draft. We're three, three and a half weeks, three weeks removed, so this it's a crazy time, and we we just appreciate you coming on to our podcast. Good, good, good to come on. Thanks. We just want to thank Vincent again. He had a lot of good insight on the Panthers and latest move to get Darnold so we just want to thank him again for that Bryson you had something you wanted to mention here real quick
1: yeah I I just I you know me I love throwing in some tweets here um I I just wanted to kind of tie it back to when Matt Rule interviewed for the Jets job three years ago there's a tweet that um Ian Rappaport tweeted um right when they traded for Sam Darnold which I'm sure most people have seen but I think it's it's a good point um, when Matt Rule interviewed for the Jets job three years ago, he did a virtual meeting with Sam Darnold, who asked about team culture and discipline, not scheme. D- Darnold knew the importance of getting the building right. That made Rule an instant fan. Now they're together. And also with our with our live uh, episode yesterday, the one thing that um, he was preaching, our guest um, yesterday was preaching, is that Sam Darnold is a tough player. He doesn't give up. And he, and I mean, he is going to give it his all. You have no, there's no, there should be no question about if Sam Darnold's going to come into Carolina and, and try his best because he will, he is going to give it his all. I, no one's I, ever I, said
0: that, but keep yeah, going.
1: <laughs> I, I, I have no doubt about that. So uh, I, I, I think tying into what I was saying to Vincent earlier into you, um, this is the, the place where Sam Darnold's going to either succeed or he's not. And I think he he's set up to succeed And he has no excuse not to, honestly. So um, the next year he has to take a step forward. And if he doesn't, then he's not the guy. And I, I, I hope he does. I think he will um, take a step forward from his years with the jets. Uh, He's still young. He's still malleable. uh, And I, I just, I'm, I'm just hopeful. I mean, I'm just trying to defend a move that the Panthers made that I thought was decent. It wasn't my first choice. It wasn't my second choice, but I, I thought it was better than sticking with Teddy Ridgewater. And I just like, I'm I'm just out here try, trying to have some hope for next season, and I'm I'm happy. I'm more happy with this move than sticking with Teddy Bridgewater for next season, and I'm I'm glad that the Panthers decided to do that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of ironic because I feel like I was more of the optimistic approach last year, and you were more of where I'm at right now. Is you were very pessimistic about Teddy Bridgewater, and I was more of uh, the hold on. Yes, you were. And I was more of the approach of, let's see what happens here. Let's, and you were more of like, this guy's a game manager. This is what we're going to get. And it's just, this is Teddy Bridgewater. And, and I was more of that optimistic approach. And I feel like we flipped. I feel like I'm very against, I I mean, it's obvious. I'm very against the Darnold move and you are hopeful. And you think this guy could succeed in Carolina. And he has the tools around him to do that. I'm not denying that at all. I think he is, this was the best situation for him to go to over Denver I mean, Carolina, they have the pieces on offense. They got a young up and coming defense that hopefully they put it all together in year two. Um, and, you know, and we'll see what happens. But this one thing I wanted to point out, and I didn't mention it yesterday at the live show, but if you, if you watch Thomas in our live show yesterday, that guy was grinning ear to ear the entire conversation because he was happy to see Darnold get his ass out of New York. That's how I'm going to leave it. So I'm gonna leave the episode out. I don't know. No, 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 no. You're not leaving the episode. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're not leaving
1: the episode out. First of all, I did have hope for Teddy Bridgewater when he came. I was not. I was not saying that he wasn't going
0: to be. um, What were a lot more harsher on him though throughout the season. I was more throughout the the season when I saw his his play. Let's see where this ends up. Let's see where this ends up. And I feel like you took the more. You know, I'll,
1: I'll be just as harsh on Sam Darnold throughout the season. I'm if not plays, saying that.
0: I just plays. think our roles have reversed a little bit. I feel like you were more pessimistic about the Teddy Bridgewater acquisition last year,
1: and and there was a little bit of uh hatred, yeah, with did, Cam Newton, you know, yeah, the whole
0: going to Teddy. I think um, that played what, into it. I de- I definitely think,
1: yeah, and and I was hopeful that Teddy was going to be good because I mean he was coming off five and zero with the Saints, and which I understood the Saints had a better team around him than the Panthers could put around him, but. I, I was hopeful for Teddy and it didn't pan out. So, um, and, and yeah, he was grinning, but he also agreed that Sam Darnold still has a chance to be a good quarterback. He did not deny that. And he knows Stan, Sam Darnold still has a chance to be a good quarterback.
0: With good I'm not saying that either. I've never him, said so. he doesn't. I, I just don't think it's very likely. I don't. I yeah, I mean, and we'll see. I mean, we'll yeah, see what we'll happens see. We'll see. for Carolina's sake. I hope he does do good. Do I think that's going to happen? Well, I we will see this season. And like I, I, you said, I think you had the quote a couple a couple minutes ago is, he has to step up this year. There's yeah, no doubt about it. He, I mean, if he doesn't, he he's not the quarterback. I think that's the great place to put it, and we'll end it there. Uh, One, we're more gonna have, for me.
1: One more thing for me. We're
0: going to have many more colorful conversations now, on this topic.
1: I, I, I just wanted to say, I think it's the consensus around the league and around experts uh, with ESPN, NFL Live, et cetera, that Sam Darnold still has uh, an opportunity to be a good quarterback in the NFL. And I think that most of the uh, experts in the league think that he will succeed in Carolina. So I'll leave it at that.
0: That's fair. And then that's why they're behind the desk at ESPN, but let's go on to our draft picks of the week. All right, Bryson, I'm, I feel like every week I'm having an IPA, which I'm, I'm starting to come around. To them. I actually don't, I don't mind this beer. I got here. It's called the festival express. It's um, from foothills brewing here in Winston Salem. Um, pretty cool. Can it's a uh, IPA. They call it a juicy IPA. I think, you know, more about this than I do, but loaded with citrus hops, delivering dish delicious tropical and stone fruit flavors hop on board. That's their little description. 5.7% alcohol. I this is actually I don't mind this. This is my only I only had one can, but I don't mind this beer. This might this might be an IPA I can get on board with. And forever that fan who listened to our first episode who gave me shit about <laughs> describing an IPA. If you're still listening, you should be happy because I don't mind this beer and I actually might get more of this. This is a decent beer. So again, it's Festival Express foothills brewing here in winston-salem they got two breweries here well they got a tap room then a brewery go check them out if you're ever in town in the triad bryson what are you drinking
1: well i'm three three beers well, to, 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 deep to, to, right to today with, uh, junior <laughs> yeah uh, struggling a little bit to, to finish the episode but um, it, it's one of, from our favorite breweries, uh, Red Oak. I mean, um, they, they just make the best beer in my opinion. It's without a doubt my favorite brewery, but, uh, it, it's Hummingbird. Um, it's another beer they make there. It's the uh, Munich golden lager. It's more of a sweet beer. Um, Red Oak is, is the Amber. Um, their Hummingbird is more of a sweet lighter beer. Um, it's Bavarian malted barley, um, aroma hops larger yeast and naturally carbonated. So it's unfiltered, unpasteurized and no preservatives. So they're coming at you with, the, with the fresh stuff. And uh, it's like 30 minutes from here. And you got the calories on, on that. Is um, this a healthy
0: beer? Uh,
1: it's probably not a probably not, uh, <laughs> calorie wise, very healthy. I, yeah, I don't might see not it on here. It. Um, that, that might be an email. That might be an email you have to send to Red Oak to ask them that question. It's probably not your healthiest beer, but it tastes very good. So I highly recommend it. Um, and, and go see their, brand. Yeah, it's, Dude, it's, awesome. it's awesome. They got a restaurant and it's like, so cool. It's like German style. So it's yeah, they like, got it's like awesome a beautiful so, yeah. foyer
0: out in the middle of the whole thing and the complex they got there. It's a really nice place. Take your dog,
1: go, go drink a beer. I mean, what is there not to like?
0: Well, we just want to thank everyone for listening to Panthers on tap podcast this evening. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday on Apple music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on tap for all your Panthers analysis and breaking news. And as always,